Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. All this nonsense, homelessness, and all this other garbage y'all talk about, police violence and all this stuff, don't nobody care about that. Don't nobody real care about that. We care about our reparations. And we have to put white people on notice that we want our reparations. That our four parents and us, we didn't work for free and underpaid and all this nonsense. And the white folks get away with it. And they talk about the great city they're building. No, we want our reparations. $3 million per person. $3 million per person right here in this city. That's the only thing black people got to care about. All this other little nonsense y'all talk about, we do not care about. Okay. Uh, Best of luck to you, sir. That was a black man speaking at a Tampa City Council meeting. What about crime doesn't matter? Drugs don't matter? Bunch of hooey. Give me $3 million. Well, uh, look, I I, I hope you get it. I don't know who you're going to get it from, but I, I really do hope that you get it, sir. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? I don't get worked up by the whole reparations conversation. But every now and then, like every couple of months, like a like like a bad penny or the, or the I don't know some spicy chicken sandwich deal, it just comes back. In this case, it came back with Representative Cory Bush, who made her bones on being one of the biggest liars that exists out there. It was Cory Bush who put out the idea of hands up, don't shoot. Lied about Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. Lied. Lied. And then built a career out of it and then got into Congress. So, hey, congratulations on working the system. She wants $14 trillion. According to an economist, William Sandy Darity from Duke University, Uh, The wealth gap is in excess of $300,000 per person. Wealth gap between, I guess, white and black. And uh, there are roughly 40 million black people whose ancestors were enslaved in the United States. So you do the math, you take off your shoes, grab an abacus. I don't know if you need a supercomputer or anything like that. And what do you have? You have got yourself $14 trillion. This is what Representative Cori Bush wants. Best of luck. Even if you got it passed, I don't know how you'd get the money. Even if you got the money, I don't know how you'd distribute it. And even if you did all of that without the Supreme Court saying, wait, what? Even if you got it all done, answer the question. The only question that matters, how are you going to get other generations to accept the deal that you got paid and they didn't? Now, it could be that their answer is, we don't plan to worry about that at all. That's your problem because they may want reparations too and you'll pay again. I'm sorry, the country will be owned by China then. So I don't understand... How possibly was it this will happen again? But we're all in this weird fever pipe dream, aren't we?
Did slavery happen? Of course it happened. But since we are not the ones who committed the act of slavery, for what can we be held liable? Well, it's not holding you liable, it's holding the nation liable. Because you profited. Well, couldn't one argue, just as an argument, that the country profited, and therefore you, as a citizen, profited? Can't that be argued? I believe it can be argued. The problem is, no rational person would argue it. Because the whole thing is crazy. Any argument made would somehow be turned into the idea that you're okay with slavery and no one should be okay with slavery. That's crazy. But if we're going to discuss the idea of, of gaining some level of... Uh, the, the, the country profited, the, the country uh, benefited. If you live in the country, aren't you also getting a benefit? Just like I don't know how you would explain to future generations how a previous generation got paid and you didn't. Just like I don't know how you're going to explain to the country which number is effective and which number works and which number does this. I don't know how you explain all these things, which is why I don't get myself worked up by the whole thing. Let Cory Bush put this out there. You know why I'm not worked up about it or worried about it? Not worried about answering it? Because Representative Hakeem Jeffries can't answer it. Yesterday, Cori Bush, he introduced a bill calling for $14 trillion in reparations for black Americans. However, critics are concerned that the bill won't pass due to GOP opposition. So my question to you is, why do you think so many people on the right oppose the call for reparations? First things first, what a reporter. Why do all those people on the right oppose the call for reparations? Why? What do you think about those people, those Republicans, who are going to be uh, intransigent and won't allow this to pass? That's a reporter advocating for a $14 trillion reparations bill. That's not a reporter. That is an activist who got a press pass. But check out the answer from Hakeem Jeffries. Well, I haven't taken a look at the bill that Representative Bush introduced, so I can't comment on its merits up or down. Uh, but we know generally that the American people want to see opportunity created in every single zip code. That's my objective uh, in this position that I'm privileged to hold. We want to uplift everyone and, of course, make sure that we deal with injustice whether that's racial injustice, social injustice, or economic injustice, wherever it's found. First, anytime you hear economic, social, racial injustice, that's about wealth redistribution. But secondly, you notice he didn't answer the question. He gave all the buzzwords, but he didn't answer the question. I haven't looked at the legislation. You don't know what the legislation is? Stop it. I'll let Hakeem Jeffries push to give it a vote. But now you're going to have to get people to pay. Where does the $14 trillion come from? The whole thing. Very, very... Oh, it's not going to be a one lump sum. It's just going to be over a course of, of years? Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Look, best of luck. Best of luck to you. I really do hope uh, that, that you, you, you make it happen. I can't wait to see how you sell it. I mean, I, I just think it's, it's going to be wonderful to watch and to witness. And I know there's some people who are saying to me, why, Tony, are you being so absolutely, you know, almost cavalier about this? 
Because I want to see how the debate happens. I want to see when the left is now pushed into this, whether or not they go forward. This is all talk and bluster and madness. I want to see how you're going to go forward. I want to see what happens when the left is forced into dealing with their own insanity. I want to see the Democrats put an end to the squad. I want it to stop. The only way it's going to stop is if they stop it. So the cannibalizing they're doing of their own party, good. Good. Then there's this. John Kirby speaking in Japan as President Biden is there for the G7 summit. Listen. There was no apology by the president. That wasn't the focus. The focus was paying respects. Uh, and more and, and more to the point, uh, the purpose here in Hiroshima is the future. What in the world is this talk about an apology? I shared the story the other day that I heard Fox News talk about Biden being in, in, in uh, Hiroshima, which I sometimes pronounce as Hiroshima. I always thought that was proper. So if I got it wrong, I apologize. And that's where they're having the G7 summit. And it was uh, Fox News, Hiroshima, uh, Hiroshima, where the United States dropped a bomb that killed 140,000 people. What kind of nonsense context is that? No mention of World War II, no mention of the attack on Pearl Harbor, no mention of the fact uh, that the Imperial Japanese uh, would not stop. They had lost and they would not give up. So here's the story. uh, LA Times, Hiroshima attacks last survivor's watch as Biden pays tribute but makes no apologies. The Washington Times, Biden will not make an apology or any statement at the Hiroshima Memorial. Apologies? Apologies? Whoa, 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 whoa. Get this straight. I hold no issue with Japan. I hold no issue with Germany. I want the German people to be happy. I don't think Germans today are Nazis. I don't think they're all just little Himmlers in waiting. Not every person who is Japanese secretly harbors the desire to be Hirohito. It'd be kind of crazy to believe that kind of thing. I don't forget history, but I don't hold a German today personally responsible. I don't hold a Japanese person today personally responsible. But I don't apologize for burning down every church throughout Germany to put an end to the Nazis. And I don't apologize for dropping fat man or little boy to put an end to the violence. The war had to stop, and it was them or it was us, and we chose them, and that was the right decision. End of the discussion. Apologize? For what? We got attacked, we ended the war, and then we helped them rebuild into this world-class nation. You're welcome. That's it. I even hear a whisper of a U.S. president thinking of apologizing. 
throw that son of a you-know-what out of office as fast as possible. By every means necessary. Apologize. If you're a reporter thinking that the United States should apologize, you don't deserve to be a reporter. You should be fired on the spot. You don't apologize for what happened in 1944, 1945. It is the Japanese who should apologize every year for Pearl Harbor. Every year, another apology and another apology and another apology. Tony, should the United States apologize for Vietnam? Only for losing. Never apologize for fighting communism. Ever. We could have done it better. We could have not listened to Cronkite. We could have actually had people who actually wanted to win the thing. I'm not apologizing for ending World War II, for the United States' role in doing what had to be done. That's nuts. And people asking for that are sick. And if kids today are taught that dropping bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki were wrong, those kids were taught wrong, and we should be firing teachers and college professors like it's our job. I'm Tony Katz. Well, we, we've got to get movement by the White House. We don't have any movement yet. So, uh, yeah, we got to pause. The tone, the tone seemed really optimistic yesterday. Is it sort yeah, of the I mean, easy stuff's done and the hard stuff's left? I really felt we were at the location where I could see the path. The, the White House is just, look, we can't be spending more money next year. We have to spend less than we spent the year before. It's pretty easy. Yeah, it's pretty easy, says Speaker McCarthy. I'm with him. The left won't do it. The left refuses to do it. So have we hit a snag in the debt limit conversation? Maybe. I don't know. Again, don't get worked up by it. Doesn't make any sense to do. The U.S. worker who tests positive for cannabis has reached a number so big it is at a 25-year high. Get it? There you go. You're all getting it now. God, good. It's a 25-year high. Get it? High? Oh, it's really, really, really good. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Over 7% of post-accident drug tests were positive for cannabis in 2022. Positivity rates for certain classes of opioids did go down, but people smoking pot, super up there. Super duper up there. There is a big question about the legality of, of marijuana and, and whether or not, in the end, these places that have engaged the legalization are better off. I have no issue with the legalization. I think that before a state engages it, first of all, you may want to wait for the federal government. That's a very Indiana take. Indiana, uh, Governor Holcomb here, uh, Eric Holcomb, when he's decided to take a stance on something, has made uh, the statement that uh, he's he's um, not going to make a move until the federal government does. It doesn't matter what the neighboring states are doing. It only matters 
what it is we do, and we got to wait for the federal government to make something legal before before we can. Um, I think the conversation has to be, what what are the ramifications? Because we should be clear, Denver, uh, Chicago, New York City, the ramifications are not good. These cities are not better off. They smell terrible and they look terrible. Are we going to pretend that's somehow not happening? They look terrible and they smell terrible. Everywhere you go, you smell weed. Everywhere. It's insane. Is that what you want? Stoned people walking around the streets. Well, Tony, you're okay with people who uh, are, are drinking on, on the streets. I actually am. I'm okay with somebody having a beer walking down the street. I'm absolutely okay with it. I'm not okay with, okay with somebody drunk wanting to fight people walking down the street. I'm not okay with somebody stoned stumbling their way down the street. See the difference? Well, so if they were just smoking a joint, would you have any issue with them walking down the street? Well, actually, I wouldn't like it. But, Tony, you're a guy who smokes a cigar down the street. Damn straight I am. There's a difference between the cigar and marijuana? Seriously, we actually, we're actually asking this question? If there's a difference between a cigar and marijuana? Because if we're really asking that question... That's super sad. Yes, there's a difference. So, before we go about this idea of just legalizing for the sake of legalizing, we may want to ask ourselves, what kind of effect does this have? We may want to ask ourselves that question. Just like we need to ask ourselves, uh, why is it that we haven't seen the uh, manifesto of the Nashville shooter? I'm going to get into that. But we do need to be asking ourselves, why are Dianne Feinstein and John Fetterman still in the Senate? John Fetterman's team has been found to be doctoring his transcripts from speeches that he's given or uh, committees that he's on to try and make him sound cogent. They are fixing the transcripts, changing what he said, so you don't notice if you read it how exactly incapable he is of doing his job. And Dianne Feinstein, it turns out, when she was out with shingles, she also had encephalitis, which is uh, a, an inflammation of the brain. She's also dealing with complication from, complications from Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, which causes facial paralysis. Justin Bieber had that recently. Nobody got told. We discussed this story. You've got Dianne Feinstein, John Fetterman, and, and uh, the president, Joe Biden. Three people who are not cognitively okay. And we're going to trust the country to them? We think this is safe? This is madness. Madness. You got to wonder about a political party that says this is the best we have to offer and then doesn't demand better of itself. This is Tony Katz today. Families are fighting 
the release of the manifesto of the shooter in Nashville. Do you remember the Nashville shooting? Of course you don't. That's how quickly it was taken off the front pages because it didn't fit a narrative. What is our world? What is our society? What is our plan when we talk about things based on its narrative or we hide things based on its narrative? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, what is going down? 833-GOT-TONY is the number. 833-468-8669. Can I tell you that right in front of me is a bottle of Blanton's Gold Edition? Right here. It's right in front of me. Blanton's Gold uh, Edition. These, These people... Uh, they have a restaurant in in Indiana in 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 Thorntown. Kylan, do you know where Thorntown is? Thorntown. I could not tell you. Well, it's a place called Stookies. And on my morning show, I'm always talking about uh, restaurants, and uh, we celebrate Meatless Monday because because uh, people believe you shouldn't eat meat on a Monday for some ridiculous reason. We celebrate it uh, by uh, highlighting restaurants. So I had highlighted this place called Stookies. S-T-O-O-K-E-Y-S. It says, Steaks, Catfish, Onion Rings. That, my friends, is a slogan. That's how it's done. And they're like, hey, thank you so much for talking about us, and here's a bottle of Blanton's Gold. And so I figure if I talk about them again, I'll get a car to go with the Bronco. I'll just get something else to... To park in the in the drive, super kind. I don't do it for gifts, but I, I it's it's very much appreciated. Uh, it will be uh, imbibed upon with with friends. I like I just like celebrating small business. I like celebrating people who do cool work. I, I like uh, celebrating the local stuff. What can I say? It's it's part of my charm. It's part of my folksy way, as everybody says about me. Tony, you're awfully folksy. They are fighting the release of the manifesto in Nashville. Why? What purpose? You had a woman claiming she was a man walking into Covenant School, murdering six people, three of them children. Three of them children under the, or I should say three of them nine years years old. In every situation you can think of, we are immediately told what the motive was. The, the manifesto. I hate the term manifesto. I know you do too. And what were they writing? What were they saying? What were they saying on social media? Who were they connected with? What kind of patch were they wearing? Oh, it connects them to this and to that. And so everybody can go about moving their ideological fantasies down the road. But why don't we know this about the shooter in Nashville? We know it was a woman claiming to be a man. We learned yesterday, as written by National Review and pointed out, that during the shooting, this woman walked into the attached Gothic church and shot out a stained glass window of Adam, the first man, Adam. And as as one of the reporters from uh, News Nation pointed out, that if somebody involved in a shooting, the murder of six people, had walked across the street, if you will, to shoot out a photo photo or, 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 or an imagery of some Muslim relic, some Muslim prophet, although it wouldn't be Muhammad because they don't actually create representations of, of Muhammad that's rather strict with them, um, that that would be called a hate crime. Well, why isn't it here? You know I don't believe in hate crimes. A crime is a crime is a crime. It is not more of a murder or less of a murder when a nine-year-old gets murdered or three nine-year-olds get murdered or six people get murdered. 
It's not more of a crime or less of a crime based on someone's religion or race or sexuality, etc. But if the FBI is going to deem these things hate crimes and the political left is going to deem these things hate crimes and every day they're going to talk about hate crimes, well then holy damn, let's call the thing a hate crime, shall we? Let's do what they do so we can get what it is they say we need to get. Why aren't Catholics protected? That's this Jew's question. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I not allowed to say it like that? You know what? Uh, go ahead. Send the complaints. You know I'm hitting it. You know The people complaining about what I just said, you know those are the people who don't want you to know what happened in Nashville. I think we need to know what happened in Nashville. I think it's important to know what happened in Nashville. And let's argue that we really don't need to see the manifesto because the truth is, that's exactly how I feel. I don't need to know every inner thing. I don't need to know how horrible the horrible people are. But they set the rules that we need to know everything and we need to immediately attach it to some level of white supremacy. That's usually what they do. Some level of Trump. That's usually what they do. Some level of right-wing extremism. That's usually what they do. Well, here I've got a different narrative. And it is obvious that we aren't being shown what's here because of that narrative. And that dog won't hunt. I believe the quote is, no one was more traumatized or has suffered more than the families of the victims and survivors of the Covenant School, uh, was it atrocity? Yeah, atrocity. And no one, uh, they, they, they say. And they continue uh, by saying, uh, and no one can claim a remotely similar interest in whether the writings of the shooter should be released. Dangerous and harmful writings of a mentally damaged person. Well, uh, I would agree that that's accurate but i haven't seen them and since you show them in every other level and in every other way i think you should show them here just to show that you are interested in a level of equality in the reporting but let's discuss the equality in the reporting what reporting after the shooting took place and after you went out there and celebrated the tennessee three Oh, look how they were leading a fight against guns in the state capitol. Look at how strong they were. Oh, my gosh. And because, by the way, they created such a disruption, two of them were expelled. It should have been all three of them. And then their constituents put them back in via a vote. And then they get to meet with Joe Biden because they're heroes. They had their 15 minutes of fame, and now no one cares about them. But they're not heroes. We understand that. This story went quick quiet. Why? It became more about the Tennessee three, the three people who were taken off committees and two who were expelled, than it was about the shooter. Why? We still don't have a look at their rationale. Why? We only learned now of the shooting that took place in a church connected to the school of uh, the, the stained glass of Adam. Why? Why? Why are we only learning this now? Why hasn't this been a conversation for weeks? Why is there such silence? And you know the answer. We live the answer every single day. The answer remains because this story doesn't fit the narrative. 
because this story may lead somebody to question, hey, if they were a woman who thought they were a man, and that clearly is part of gender dysphoria, which is in the DSM-5, that is a manual that psychiatrists use to discuss issues actual mental issues did that have any part in the shooting they don't want that question asked how dare you ask that question as a matter of fact i won't be surprised if i don't get emails for actually discussing how other people are looking at this situation and the reasons why it's not being reported on for taking the analytic look at the situation, I will receive emails and people will say, that Tony Katz is a transphobe and get him off the air. Email. What am I supposed to tell you? Don't email. But don't ask me to buy into your concepts and don't ask me to buy into the whole transphobe ridiculousness. It's ridiculousness. Go live your life. But let's be clear that what we're seeing across the country with the numbers is is social contagion, not actual data. We're not engaged in levels of, of facts here. We're not engaged in historical averages here. We're engaged in social contagion and cultural push. And when we see it in adults, I don't I don't even think about it. I don't even pay attention to it. When you push it on kids, that's when people stand up. And that's when the political left says, you're engaged in a culture war. And the answer is, you started it. We're just here to finish it. You can't have kids. And that leads to the conversation about legislation across the country that doesn't allow gender-affirming care, feel the air quotes, for minors. Which, of course, we shouldn't because it's mutilation and it's wrong and children cannot make their own medical decisions. And parents who are saying, well, my child can change their gender and actually cut off body parts in any other society and in any other place, we would call that child abuse and we wouldn't stand for it. We should not stand for it here. I didn't even know that that was a controversial statement. But oh, you better believe it. It's not controversial to say where the heck is the manifesto. The only thing controversial is that people won't show it. That somehow this is being kept from you, me, and we. That is what is controversial. And the reason it's being kept from you, me, and we is because of what it might say about the narrative going forward. I'm sorry, that's no reason not to share something. That's no reason not to put something out there for people to read it. Honesty requires it. Or, or maybe... Maybe we can stop taking a look at each and everything that happens and figure out how to use it politically against our enemies. That's a, a message for the political left right there. You're, you're, you're welcome, Boo Bear. But there is another reason to see this. What if there is a mental issue at play? Why shouldn't we discuss it? Why shouldn't we know why can't we discuss it? Seems to me like like we should we should want to. Maybe there's something here. Maybe it's isolated. Maybe we should be trusted with the data. Oh, but trust. They don't trust us at all, do they? Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. Is the Big Apple too heavy? A new geological study finds New York skyscrapers are so heavy 
They're weighing the city down, causing the city to sink ever so slightly more and more every year. I love it. I love it. But why is San Francisco not sinking? My gosh. I mean, New York? Look, New York ain't what it used to be, but I could still get a slice of pizza. I'd much rather have New York than San Francisco. I mean, if I'm betting on which place I'd rather sank first. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is a CNN report, and their climate guy, Bill Weir, who always has a reason why you are going to die. And it is, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too wet, it's too dry. And all of those things are your fault. They are your fault. Whatever it is, you've done it. You and your Mima and and the fact that you might be a breeder and all of those things. They call people who have kids breeders. And, and it's all your fault. This story is just glorious. The study comes as the Army Corps of Engineers is racing to find ways to prevent the city from being submerged one day during future natural disasters. Now, be clear about something. The idea that flooding takes place during a natural disaster, like uh, if you were to take a look at Superstorm Sandy that took place, remember it hit New Jersey, New York? It hit places near where I used to to live. I grew up in Middletown, New Jersey, and I uh, was there soon afterwards. I was in Keensburg. Whole houses shifted off of foundations. I had never seen anything like it. There was a tremendous amount of damage. That was the one where Obama came to visit and Chris Christie gave him the hug. And people are like, what are you doing? Um, and they feel like that that kind of, that was 2012, right? They feel like kind of locked it up for them. Uh, it was rough. And the subways flooded. That can happen with a freak event. But just because Superstorm Sandy was bad doesn't mean that I hadn't lived in, as I grew up in Jersey, through tropical storms and, 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 and all other kinds of things and remnants of hurricanes and trees falling on, on the deck and on the house and all around. Yeah. This was not new, but you listen to Bill Weir and it's like, it's the end of days. CNN's Bill Weir is joining us now. Bill, we talked a bit about this yesterday. Um, How much is the city sinking each and every, I don't know, how long does it take for it to sink? Year? Well, over a year. Can we just stop? Did she just ask if the city's going to sink in a year? She is the Hank Johnson of CNN, Representative Hank Johnson, who said he worried about too many soldiers on Guam because he thought the island might capsize. Well, based on this, maybe he's on to something. Here, it's about the width of a, of a, or the thickness of a couple of nickels. It's only a couple of millimeters right there, but it varies. That's the average of the whole city of New York. Uh, some places it's sinking faster. Staten Island, for example, parts of Brooklyn and Queens right here. But now we know the U.S. Geological Survey answered your your child's pestering question, how much does New York City weigh? 1.7 trillion pounds. That's a pretty staggering number. And it matters because we live in the age of sea level rise, thanks to the 1.7 trillion tons of carbon dioxide and other heat trapping gases that are in the air there. But here's why it sort of brings it. You see how that works? We're at fault for all the CO2. We're at fault for what's happened to uh, the environment. Now you've put so much weight on the bedrock that is Manhattan that it's sinking, and this is all going to be catastrophic. Yes, for New York. 
It's, it's Look, I don't want New York to sink. I will personally miss Broadway. I don't have my Broadway show tunes with me. Ah, shoot. Would have been a perfect time for some Broadway. But, uh, you know, we can do Broadway in other places. We can build another Broadway, like Nashville did. But it's the climate change that did it. They turned a story about, wow, okay, the earth does indeed move, into a climate change story about why you are guilty. Look at what you've done and look what you're going to do to these poor New Yorkers. If I was the poor New Yorkers, I'd move out immediately. I mean, you're going to have some waterfront property in just a matter of time. I'd move out. I'd be gone. But nobody is going to act like they are concerned because I don't think this is something to be concerned about. But we should be clear. Things ebb and flow. Do we not know the story of Pangea? Things move. Have we not seen an earthquake before? I just love the fact that they blame you. That's precious and absolutely on the money for CNN. It really is. Me, can I tell you, I got to get out to the track. I got to get out to the track today. Indianapolis 500, getting ready for that. There's qualifying. There's practice. Uh, today's going to be my first day out there. It won't be my last. Getting ready for the race. It's going to be good. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today.